I believe that I speak for all of us as a church this morning when I say what a blessing it has been for the last six, seven weeks to have our new worship director, Gary Durbin, here at the Orchard Church. Um, him and Jennifer and his kids have been such a tremendous blessing already. I can't tell you how thrilled I am that they are a part of our team here and the way he is leading us to the true heart of worship and, and what that's all about. And so I wanted you guys to hear his heart about worship and where he's, you've already picked up on it from the stage to the, the, his leading of our worship and how he goes about that. But I want you to hear his philosophy of worship. I want you to hear his heart that he, he wants all of us as a church to have. And so today you're in for a special treat. You don't have to listen to me. You're going to hear from our worship arts director, Gary. And so let's give him a great welcome. Let him know how much you guys appreciate him being here on the team at the Orchard Church. Thanks, man. Thank you. Wow. No pressure at all, really. Been here a month. Doug says, hey, can you speak for us on Sunday? No problem. No problem. You know, Doug's not the tallest guy in the world. But could we agree this, the bar is very high with the message that he brings and the word he brings? Incredible. Well, I want to say it is a privilege. I mean, honestly, it's an honor to, uh, to take the stage this morning and, and to bring the word to you and to bring this, this message to you, uh, which is really my heart on corporate worship. And I want to say that uh, it is good to be in a great church. Do you understand what I'm saying about that? It is great to be in the Orchard Church, a good church. It's really hard to find a great church, amen? And so it's a privilege to be here to be on staff here, to be on this team. Uh, some of you may know, Doug was my youth pastor 20 years ago. 20 years ago. And uh, he hasn't changed a bit. Not a bit. <laughs> and man, it's, I, I grew up uh, all over the country. My, my dad was, is a music minister in the church. And uh, so we, we uh, moved to different churches, different states. And uh, I mean, from coast to coast, really. And I had probably about three or four youth pastors growing up. But I honestly say in all seriousness, Doug is the one that really uh, made that lasting spiritual impression in my life, uh, impacted me spiritually, challenged me spiritually, and things he taught me and did uh, as a youth minister really stuck with me and carried on with me. So it's just an honor to work for him and with him on this team. It's just awesome, awesome. And God is doing great things here at the Orchard. So yeah, I've been leading worship uh, in the local church for almost 10 years now. Uh, been in, this is my third church. Started in Illinois, then uh, went down to Florida, and now Colorado. Um, been married 12 years to an amazing, amazing woman, and uh, she is awesome. Her name's Jennifer. Hopefully you get to meet her. Uh, if you don't like Jennifer, there's something very, very seriously wrong with you. She's the sweetest person in the world. I have two kids. If you don't like my kids, then you might be okay. I'll give you some leeway on that. But uh, we have, I have a seven-year-old boy, Joshua, and then a four-year-old girl, Jade. And Jade is the one that never stops, ever, ever, never, ever, ever stops. And she just keeps going and going. And then we have a dog, uh, a Bijan. Uh, the full name is Bijan Frigé. Anybody know what that is, Bijan Frigé? Okay. So, yeah, a little little foo-foo dog, and uh, we've uh, aptly named him, named him Titan, Titan, so he is 
He's a good dog. But we're excited to be here. We're excited to be in Denver at the Orchard Church. I have noticed a few things that are different between Florida and Colorado. Um, you know, we could go to the beach, nice sunny beach. You know, we go to the east and we run to the beach. Here we go to the west, ice cold freezing mountains. But I do love to ski, so I'm excited to, uh, to get on the slopes eventually here. Uh, I've noticed our dog takes less time to go to the bathroom outside than he did in Florida. <laughs> Doesn't mess around too much. You know, in Florida, we lived about an hour away from Orlando, which was Universal Studios, Disney World, SeaWorld, all those wonderful attractions, right? So we were only an hour from that. That was pretty fun. But here, you know what? We're only 30 minutes from Casa Bonita. So, <laughs> and yes... Yes, yes, we've experienced Casa Bonita, and it is an experience, definitely. <laughs> My daughter was terrified the whole time. <laughs> not kidding. Um, last but not least, I mean, in Florida, Florida Gators, and we had Tim Tebow as our quarterback. Yeah. But here in Denver, we have Tim Tebow as our quarterback, so that's cool. So this morning, I want to share my heart with you on my, one of my passions, one of my purposes in life, and that's corporate worship. I mean, I was literally born to do this. I, I've known this for a long time. This is what I'm supposed to be doing. And so it's just a privilege and honor for me to do, to do this, especially for this church. So I want to talk to you about my vision, my mission uh, for corporate worship, um, just my philosophy on it. And basically, this morning, we're going to talk about the X factor of corporate worship. And this is a, a summary of a curriculum that I've written. And you've noticed you'll have 12 points on your paper this morning. Don't fret. It's okay. As Pastor Barry said this week, these aren't Pastor Barry and Pastor Doug size points. So we'll be okay this morning. But what we want to talk about this morning is the X factor of corporate worship. In other words, why do we do what we do? On Sunday morning. Why do we do what we do on Sunday morning? So if you'll turn to me, turn with me uh, to Nehemiah chapter 8. Nehemiah chapter 8. We're going to look at verses 1 through 6, and that's page 200 if you have a Bible provided by us. Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 1 through 6. Now, as my English literature te teacher taught me many, many years ago, Context is everything. Context is everything. So I want to give you a little context this morning on this passage. We we just uh, ended our series in Esther. Wasn't that awesome? Esther, yeah? So we're going to go back one book to Nehemiah this morning. Context here is walls. The walls have been rebuilt in Jerusalem. Um, God's people are out of captivity. And they are hungry for the word of God. I mean, they have been deprived from the word of God for many years. And not to mention, they didn't have access like we do. We all have, most of us probably have a Bible that we call our own. They didn't have that. We had scholars and scribes that would come read it to them. So they were coming together, gathering together in this corporate worship event, if you, if you will, to, to really soak in the word of God and to respond to it. So let's look at Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 1 through 6. Now all the people gathered together as one man in the open square that was in front of the water gate. And they told Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded Israel. Verse 2, so Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly of men and women and all who could hear with understanding on the first day of the seventh month. Then he read from it in the open square that was in front of the water gate. We see the water gate there, and that's a symbolic picture of the word. Also, practically speaking, 
this was a great setup for the speaker because it kind of projected his voice somewhat for the crowd. But he was in front of the water gate from morning until midday, it says in verse 3, before the men and women and those who could understand and the ears of all the people were attentive to the book of the law. In verse 4, so Ezra the scribe stood on a platform of wood which they had made for the purpose. And beside him at his right hand stood, I'm not even going to pronounce these names, but 13 men here stood on his left and right side. In verse 5, and Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people, for he was standing above all the people. And when he opened it, all the people stood up, and Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God. Then all the people answered, Amen, Amen, while lifting up their hands. And they bowed their heads and worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. This is a great picture of corporate worship. Great picture. If you've been coming here a while, you know we teach expositionally from the Bible. And we see this modeled here in this passage. A clear message, a clear understanding for the people. And then what we also see is a response. One commentator says, if God is to work in and through his people, then they must respond positively to his word. Did you catch that? If God's to work, we must respond. Worship, my favorite definition of worship if you want to write this down, is responding to the revelation of God. Responding to the revelation of God. Worship is a response. So when we go to corporate worship, it's God's people coming together to respond as one body. To respond as one body, one unit. If you look at verse 1 in our text, it says, Now all the people gathered together as one man. It was unified. We see in Psalm 133, God loves unity. So corporate worship is God's sons and daughters coming together to worship him in unity and responding to his revelation or to what he has revealed to us uh, through his word. So let's jump into the X factor of corporate worship. Again, we have 12 points. This won't be as long as it looks. We'll go quickly. But the first point I want to mention here is examining. That's the first X factor, examining. By a raise of hands, how many many of you would uh, consider yourself a true worshiper? Just by a raise of hands. I'm a true worshiper. All right? Just keep those up. Keep those up. You can always tell a true worshiper if their hands are raised. All right? Are we good? Okay, you can put them down. That's kind of a trick question. What I want you to understand is that every person in this building today, right now, is a worshiper. Truly a worshiper. The question isn't if we are a worshiper. The question is what or whom are we worshiping? We're always, always worshiping. What or whom? Romans 1 Uh, verses 18 through 25 gives us a picture. It tells us that we all have the choice to worship God, and that we have no excuse not to worship God. The question is not whether or not we worship, but who or what are we worshiping all the time? See, before we come together corporately to worship, we need to examine our hearts and really ask those tough questions. Who or what is receiving my worship. Be on the screen. First Corinthians chapter eleven twenty eight says, "But a, let a man examine himself. 
So before we come into corporate worship, we need to make sure that we examine ourselves and say, where's my heart today? We can't wait until we come in the doors to worship. We can't do that. We're already worshiping. So we need to make sure when we get up in the morning and our kids are screaming at us that we are, our heart is really focused on the one who deserves it all, all the praise, and that's the Lord God Almighty. So we need to make sure we come to worship already worshiping God as we come to the doors. Very, very important in corporate worship. We also, you know, when we examine ourselves and we, we grow in this, we're going to, the, this is our next point, is exhibit. We're going to be exhibiting uh, worship. And we're going to be exhibiting worship in our life. Now I'm going to say a statement. I want you to kind of take it in. Worship is not music. Did everybody hear that? Worship is not music. Now there is worship music. There's the genre of worship music, very popular. But worship, true worship is not music. Worship is life. I had a keyboard player a few years ago that needed to be removed, and I'll just leave it at that, from the praise team. Um, and I had to have that tough conversation with him. And he looked me right in the eye, and he was going to make me feel really bad. And he said, this is the way I worship. I play keyboard on the praise team. This is the way I worship. And I said, well, you're missing it. <laughs> you're missing it, because you're worshiping God only when you play the keyboard. Carrying that keyboard around all the time with you, or what's going on? So it's important that we understand it's not music, but it's life. We're always worshiping. But what, are, what or whom are we? Are we worshiping God, truly, in every aspect of our life? Are we focused on that? 2 Corinthians 5.15 says, And he died for all that those who live should live no longer for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. It's life. It's living for the glory of God, not for ourselves. It's worship. So corporate worship, corporate worship will mean so much more if we exhibit the songs and the lyrics that we're singing during the week. Did you hear that? If we really exhibit what we're singing, your grace is enough. We kicked off the service today with that lyric, your grace is enough. Wow, that's convicting for me. Am I exhibiting that in my life? Is God's grace really enough for me? Am I really believing that? Do I have faith in that? Is his grace enough? Well, his Bible, the Bible says it is. So, man, do I believe that? Do I have faith in that? Am I living that? Am I exhibiting the songs that I sing? Because honestly, the harsh reality is that if we're not, it's the bad H word, right? Hypocrisy, Right? As we walk out of the door, we sing your grace is enough. We walk out, we live a different life. Then we're merely hypocrites. And we're not perfect. We all have flaws. But man, are we focused on that? Are we walking out of here really trying to worship the Lord with all of our heart every day of our life? Is that focus for us? Because if we do, if the people of the Orchard Church do that, man, corporate worship will skyrocket in this place. Because we're living out what we're singing, we believe what we're singing. It will do wonders to your life and to the life of our church when you start asking yourself the question, am I exhibiting the words that I'm singing? When we examine ourselves, we ex when we're exhibiting these, these worship songs in our life, we're exhibiting a life of worship, then we're gonna, our next point, we're gonna 
not exist. And I want to, this is kind of our negative point. We're not, we're not going to just exist. Existing in corporate worship, existing in church. You saw, remember in verse 4 that we read in our passage, all those men's names that I had a hard time pronouncing. These were more than likely priests. They were standing on the right and left side of, of Ezra. And uh, more than likely priests, and it was, a, it was a symbol for them to be standing up there because what they were doing is they were standing in agreement with Ezra, with this church, with this movement, with this corporate worship movement. See, when we just exist in church, it keeps us disconnected from the heart and the vision of the church when we just exist. These men that were standing, these priests, they were very connected, very in agreement with what was going on here with Ezra, with this church leader. So don't just exist. That's, that's, a, that's a very important thing to remember. Don't just come in every week, sit, stand, and leave. Make sure that you're making it a goal to get beyond existence when it comes to the life of the church. In other words, be a part of what God is doing here at the Orchard Church. And can we agree that God is doing amazing things here at this church? Wow. I'm honored to be a part of this church. Truly, it's a privilege. So let's be a part of it more and more. Make it a point to be here on Sundays. Make it a priority. It sounds like a little thing, but man... If you guys aren't here, it's going to be tough. <laughs> so it's important that we make it a priority to be here, to worship together, and make sure that your spot is filled in this place. Be in a small group. That's another way we can get beyond existence. It's tough to get to know people. It's tough to get connected to people if we just come in on Sundays. But man, when we get into small groups, we get connected. And what we do is we offer ourselves to other people as they offer themselves to us. We open up, we get connected, and what happens is there's accountability. And that is good for us. We need that. And small groups is that first way you really can do that. So make sure you, if you're, if you're considering that, you're on the fence, go for it. Just grab a catalog, jump in. It's not too late to go ahead and get in this round of small groups. Do that today. I encourage you on that. Be a part of our discipleship process. I mean, that's the most important thing we can do. To be discipled and disciple others. That's the great commission. You may have not been through discipleship. I challenge you to really contact us and, and find out how you can do that. We, we'll definitely help you out on that. I've been through discipleship, and honestly, it's, it's becoming one of my passions in life. It truly is. It's, it's a wonderful thing. So I, I, I encourage you to do that. What I just described is just simply reach, relate, reproduce. If you've been to this church, you know this is our vision. Reach, relate, reproduce. In order to go beyond existence in corporate worship and in church, get a part of the vision. Get connected. Reach, relate, reproduce. Ask yourself, how can I be a part of the vision of this church? You know, here's the thing. If we're not a part of the vision of the church, then we're just coming to church. We're just coming to church. But God has asked us to be the church. You know, to really be the church. So in order for us to be the church, we've got to be connected. There are many places to get involved as well. You know, there's, I mentioned uh, our, our Reach Relate Reproduce, but there's also serving opportunities. 
in this place. I know that the children's ministry really need help uh, in, the, in their ministry. And I mean, Jesus said, don't hinder these little ones from coming to me and growing in me. So if, maybe that could be on your heart. If, you know, just, just pray about that. Maybe you can be a part of the children's ministry. Um, we set up and tear down every week here uh, all over this campus. So uh, maybe you could be a part of that and helping. There's many ways, and all you got to do is just ask, and, and we'll gladly plug in. But the main thing is just don't exist here. Get connected. Uh, be a part of the vision of this church. Come to church and stand up. You know, like these men did, these priests. and Be a part of it. Be in agreement with it. Don't just exist. And you know, when we uh, get beyond existing, we go into this next point, which is expecting. This is a, this is a big point, expecting. Verse 3 in our passage says the people were attentive. You see that? They were attentive. Attentive. And let me just tell you, they were attentive, some commentators say, through six hours of preaching. Six hours. <laughs> so we don't even go an hour here of preaching. This was six hours, morning till midday, the word says, and they were attentive. Attentive. My former pastor's wife said something that has always stuck with me. It's so true when it comes to this idea of expecting. She said people do one of two things when they come to church, and we'll see which one you guys are in. They come in expecting, or they come in inspecting. Catch that? Come in expecting, or they come in inspecting. In other words, people come in expecting God to do great things in this place. Well, they come in inspecting, right? Now, an inspector's job is to find faults, right? Right? That's what they're supposed to do. Um, in the history of the local church, I've never, as far as I know, they've, we've never had to stand up in front of congregations and say, we need more inspectors. Will anybody come forward? We need help in this area. Please, bring your opinions to us. You know, opinions are valid, and I've learned to be a listener of opinions and critiques and inspections. It's helpful as a leader to be open. But I will say this, we are lacking no inspectors in our society. Would you say amen to that? We're, not, we're lacking no crit critics in our society. You know, people don't have a problem with that. Um, all you got to do is log into Facebook and you'll see all kinds of opinions, right? So we need people to come into corporate worship ex being, expecting of God to do great things in this place. And let me tell you why. Because we serve and worship a God who does great things. Amen? We can expect that. So we should come in with that heart, expecting God. You know, did we wake up this morning and, and, and pray and, and say, God, I can't wait to see what you're going to do in this place today? You know, that's the kind of questions we have to ask ourselves. Psalm 45.1 says, My heart is stirred by a noble theme as I recite my verses for the king. You know, are we, are we coming expecting 
great things from our noble and great God, our King. He's never let me down. And man, when we come in expecting God to do great things, it's going to be a blessing for us. We come in inspecting, we're going to find faults. It's going to happen. You'll never come in this place trying to inspect something and say, oh, everything was perfect. No problems. It was wonderful. This is a perfect church. Never happens. But we come in expecting God to do great things. Wow. Man, what a blessing it will be for us and for our church. You know, um, for me as a worship leader, the one thing that I've been inspected on in all my churches I've been in is sound, sound. Sound and style, I say. Sound and style. You know, style, everybody has different preferences on style. Everybody has different preferences on sound. Uh, Unfortunately, we just can't please everybody. Not going to happen. If you ever tried to please everybody, you know how hard that can be. You know that it is completely impossible. But we do try to, to, you know, come to a balance on that for sure. It's kind of like the temperature in the room. Are you with me on that? Some of you in here right now, you're a little cold. You're a little cold. Start, you know, putting stuff over you, barring your husband's jacket. Some of you are just fine. Oh, this is great. Wonderful. Some of you are like, man, it's burning up in here. It's burning up, you know. I guarantee you all three of those opinions are in, are in here right now as we speak. So it's, it's, it's a balance. It's definitely a balance. So, um, you know, that's kind of the, one of the things we get inspected on. But, man, God will do great things in your life in the life of our church, when we come in expecting God to do great things more than we're inspecting. It's really important uh, that we come to that and say, man, I want to get up today and I want to I be ready for what God is going to do in my heart and my life. I want to be listening to God as I come in here today. You know, I, was in, I went to Africa in 2009 and I led worship in this church and I, was, I got there about... Um, 30 minutes beforehand, because I really didn't know what to expect or what I was getting into. And um, there was already people there. There's probably about four or five people in, the, in the, the pews there. And I get there, there's no sound system, of course. Um, hardly, I don't know if there was even electricity. Yeah, there was electricity. There was a little bit of electricity. But there was no, like, um, no air or anything like that, no sound system. Uh, but the, I met with the music minister, and he had this little cheap little keyboard on this little table. And it was just the sound coming out of the keyboard. And he was kind of over there getting it ready. And I said, okay, man, I'm going to go in this room, and I'm going to tune my guitar. And then I'll come back out, and we'll run through what we're going to do today. Well, there's no run-throughs in Africa. I learned really fast. Um, I came back out. When I came back out, those four or five people, they were standing up, and they were worshiping. We're 30 minutes before the start time. You know what? They didn't need a countdown. They said, we're ready. And they couldn't, they couldn't wait. Literally, they couldn't wait. The guy was over there just tinkering around on his keyboard, and they just started in. Because they could not wait to see what God was going to do in that place. They were truly expecting great things. And man, what, a, what an impression that made on me. So let's come in expecting God to do great things because he is a great God. Amen. Now, in order to do all these things, uh, examining, exhibiting, and not just existing, and coming in expecting great things, we gotta, we got to have some humility in our life. It's necessary. It's necessary to be humble 
and not inspect. It's very necessary. So this next point I want to talk about is execution. Execution. And what I want to talk about is, you know, executing our pride. Killing our pride. In verse 4, we saw that Ezra, they give him a platform to stand on. For the purpose, it says. So Ezra had, had him given a platform to stand on uh, to bring the word that day. Now, Ezra had a choice. He could use that platform for what he was supposed to do for the purpose, as the word says, to glorify God ultimately, or he could soak up some fame because he had the platform given to him. We as Christians, we're going to have platforms in our life. We're going to have opportunities to give God the glory or take the glory for ourselves. It's going to happen. The question is, what are we going to do with that platform? Got to bring up Tim Tebow again, right? Has he not been given a platform? My goodness. We're at the Super Bowl. We're still talking about Tim Tebow, you know. So God's given him a platform, and he's been using it, as far as I can tell, to give God the glory. So for us in worship, we have to, we have to practice this humility. You know, we have to come in, in executing our pride. Part of worship is about Dying to self. Executing your pride. Pride, listen to this, pride is a killer. And if, if we don't execute our pride, if we don't kill our pride, our pride's going to kill us. Amen? Praise of God, I want you to, if you can't write this down, this won't be on the screen, but praise, I want you to write this down. Praise of God will always bring humility. Praise of God will always bring humility. But praise of self will always bring pride. Underline the words, always. Praise of God will always bring humility, but praise of self will always bring pride. Jesus said that if we want to follow him, that we have to deny ourselves. John the Baptist, huge platform, huge opportunity, his followers got mad when Jesus came around because they were stealing his church members. But John reminded them that it's about Jesus. It's not about him. He said, I must decrease, he must, he must increase. Corporate worship, in corporate worship, yeah, we have to understand that pride will hinder us in our corporate worship. Some of us may be a little insecure in corporate worship. Maybe not want to lift our hands or sing too loud because we're worried about what people will think, right? That happens. You're not a bad person if that's you. That's just part of it. But what you have to understand is that that's insecurity and what the root of insecurity is pride. When we're just kind of thinking about ourselves, and that, and that pride, if we don't ex- execute our pride, it will hinder our corporate worship. This will be on the screen. We all know that pride goes before the fall. But remember that humility goes before the bow. Pride will lead us to destruction. But, but a humility will lead to us being lifted up as God has promised. We humble ourselves in the sight of the Lord. He will lift us up. So it's important that we have humility, that we execute our pride. Because the praise of God will always bring humility. But 
Praise of self will always bring pride. The writer of the song, Shout to the Lord, Darlene Check, she said a great statement. She said, learn how to seek God's face without saving yours. Learn how to seek God's face without saving yours. Execution of self is simply saying this. It's not about me. It's not about me. Man, we need to say that every day to remind ourselves it's not about us. Execution of pride, very, very important as we come to corporate worship. When we follow all these things, we're gonna, we're gonna come to our point six, which is exposure. Exposure. We see in this passage, these people have truly exposed themselves to the glory of God. They have come ready to receive the blessing of God and to give him praise. To receive the word and to respond. Listen to the statement. When we see God, everything changes. Did you hear me on that? When we see God, everything changes. If you remember in the Old Testament, Moses had to cover his face in Exodus 34 after he had seen God. As he come down, his glowing face. When we expose ourselves, uh, we expose our eyes to God's glory. Our only response will be to worship. Everything changes. Paul instructs us. He goes on. He kind of references this story in 1 Corinthians three. He talks about the story of Moses, and then he goes on and encourages us. Gives us great news. He says he says that we need to be unveiled worshipers. So we can reflect the bright glory of God. And you guys just went through a study of Revelation last year. And I don't know if you remember, but in, ver- in chapter 1, at the beginning of, this, uh, beginning of this book, we see John, it says that he turned and saw the voice. And things changed after that. When we see God, we expose ourselves to God, and we, we really look for him and see him, things will change in our life. Things will change. So the question is, are you fully exposed to God when you come in for corporate worship? Or are you wearing a mask? You know, in Florida and, and here, we have, I know in the summers you have to worry about sunblock, right? You have to watch out for those ultraviolet rays. But I wonder if some of us coming in corporate worship with the SON block, you know, the sunblock. If we're veiling our face as worshipers. Some of us may be coming in wearing artificial tanners. And we're putting on the mask. And we can come to church and we can play the part. But man, are we fully exposed to God? Because when we expose ourselves to the glory of God, things will change. And we'll never be the same. We expose ourselves to God. That leads us to number seven. This whole thing, this corporate worship, is an experience. It's an experience. We see that in verse 6. We're going to be looking at at this verse just a little bit later. We see an experience happening. Corporate worship is an experience. Once you uh, experience the presence of God, what happens is you understand it a little more. People who um, don't uh, understand worship, corporate worship, have never really experienced it. And that's not, that's not saying that you're a bad person, but it's just that you've never experienced it. And once we experience it, we get it. 
Just like anything else in life. Once you experience it, you understand it. So it's important that we look at corporate worship as an experience. Anybody ever been to the Mall of America, Minnesota? Yeah? That mall is an experience, right? It's truly an experience. I mean, they have more visitors to that mall than like Disney World and all kinds of other theme parks combined. I mean, that place is hopping. Not so much for other malls. Malls have been on the the decline, but the Mall of America has created an experience for people. We live in an experienced society. We want to experience things. Adventure stuff is on the rise. We want an experience. And we have to look at corporate worship just like that. Wow, this is going to be a wild experience when I come in this place today. This is going to be an experience. Here's the thing. Corporate worship honestly, should be a fresh experience for each one of us as worshipers every time we meet. Every time. And it's not because we as the leaders have our great creatives and made this great experience. That's not the reason it should be a fresh experience for you every week. The reason it should be a fresh experience for you every week is because God's mercies are new every day. And his mysteries in his word are revealed to us new every day. If we totally expose ourselves to God, we're going to experience him. And corporate worship will be an amazing thing for you if you look at it as an experience. You come in and, I want to have an amazing experience today with God's people and with him. God is an experience. If you've ever experienced him, you know what I'm talking about. If corporate worship is not a fresh experience every week, then we're missing the presence of Almighty God. So make sure that we don't miss Him. Experience. Let's go to the next, next blank. This is a fun word, exude. When was the last time you used that in a sentence? Exude. I love saying that word, exude. I try to use it a lot. Exude means to ooze out. To ooze out. <laughs> Probably all kinds of pictures coming through your minds this morning. I remember when uh, I was in Florida, we had a, a, a young guy that was living in an apartment in one of the buildings, and long story short, it flooded, but he must have stayed up late, he had no clue, he was sound asleep, and it was on a Sunday morning, and the children's director came running into our office, and he's like, my children's room is flooding. My children's room is flooding. And he's like freaking out. So we run over there, and sure enough, we open the door, and it's like, it's like a flash flood, just in a room, you know, Sunday morning. <laughs> so, you know, the, and, and we had to go knock and bang on his door just to wake him up. He had no clue. And he probably stepped out of his bed, and it was probably that deep. It was crazy. But that floor and that ceiling could no longer contain that water. It was just going to it was coming through. And that's the way our worship should be. Jesus said in Matthew 12, 34, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. It's out of the abundance of the heart. Worship is an overflow of the heart. And corporate worship should be a moment where God's people come to ooze out and exude the praise that is in our hearts to where we cannot contain it. We get, we get out of our car and it's just oozing out already. We're, we're exuding all right? We're exuding. <laughs> Just simply coming together, overflowing of our hearts and praise to God. Because 
Because we've been with the Lord during the week. We've been in his word. We've been with him. We've prayed. Our cup is overflowing, and we cannot wait to spill it out when we come in here. That's the way worship is. We should be so full of God during the week that we can't help but come in and overflow and ooze it out, ooze all our praise out, exude it with our brothers and sisters in Christ. So if you see anybody exuding, you know why. Next, next Sunday, all right? Now that leads us to my favorite topic, which is expression. Expression. Number nine. There's different kinds of expression. We have singing. We have clapping. We have raising hands. We have shouting. We have any shouters in here today? Okay, we have one. Very good. Just curious. <laughs> they say the most reverent expression of worship is bowing. You know, sadly, you don't see that in a lot of corporate worship services in my last 10 years. You just don't see that, but they say that's the most reverent form of expression. And honestly, it's, it is kind of extreme. It kind of take a lot of executing of your pride to bow down on the ground. But you see that, especially in the Old Testament, people face down on the ground and worship, responding to God. The expressions. You know, the most popular is hand raises, right? I mean... There's a blog I like to read that he kind of gave a funny little uh, editorial on like different kinds of hand raises in corporate worship. We have the uh, YMCA. This is the YMCA. This is for people who are, I mean, they're out there. They're ready to go. YMCA. No problem. Then we have the uh, high five, you know, that's pretty, pretty common, right? Maybe you got some high fivers out here. The double high five, we got that as well. And then for those a little more subdued, you have the huge watermelon, huge watermelon, yeah? Use watermelon. Bring it in, a little more intimate. Pound cake. Carrying the pound cake, right? And then we have the secret ones, right? The secret hand raisers. Those are called the ninja hand raisers, all right? These are probably about like this, or sometimes in the pocket, hand raised. In the pocket. This is what you call ninja. I, I, I had a lady in uh, my church in Illinois, and she struggled so hard with expression. It was just pride. She just, it was hard for her. She was scared of what people were going to think. She would come to me every week, every week she would come to me and say, oh man, I was so into it today and I just wanted to throw my hands up and shout and just, and I'm like, Why, what what'd you do? And she goes, oh, I just did this. I did this. <laughs> she was a ninja. Listen, everything I've just talked about, expressions, listen, they're biblical. You are permitted. Based on God's word. Okay? There you go. You'll never see me. Don't ever come and ask me, hey, can you tell that person to take it down a notch? Never. Never. Listen, we have a reason to express worship to God. We have a reason to be excited about our God. So we have a reason to express Expression in corporate worship, listen to me. Some of you may be on the fence on this. Look, it, it, it's, it's unexplainable. There's nothing like it. I don't know why we raise hands. I don't know why. But the Bible says to do it. Some th- say it's a commandment. They, they say it's, it's mandated. It doesn't say if you want to or if you feel like it or if you feel led to. No, it says understood you. Raise your hands, clap, shout. All these things in the Bible. Biblical. It evokes freedom. 
It's going to free you up. You're not going to worry anymore. And you know what else it's going to do? It's going to inspire others too. Honestly. I'm inspired when I'm in a group of worshipers. I'm like, all right, let's do this. You know? It's tough to be in, a, in the group that's like not doing anything. You're like, oh, okay. Nobody's doing it over here. <laughs> Listen, when you express yourself physically in worship, what you're doing is this. You're boldly proclaiming your praise to God. Boldly. Yes. What you're saying is, I'm not ashamed. I'm boldly proclaiming it. And let me just say this. If you don't lift your hands, shout, all that stuff, it's not wrong. It's okay. It's all right. But I just want to let you know that you are allowed biblically to do that. And I encourage you to do it. Now let me, uh, now there's my, my challenge to you on expression. Everyone has something that gets them going. Everybody. You may be the quietest person in this room, and it get, you have something that gets you going. Maybe the Broncos. Maybe other things. Maybe it's your, your kid's recital. Maybe it's, you got some money, got some extra money, You're shouting, I'm a big Celtics fan, Boston Celtics fan, um, I am rooting for the Nuggets, I'm okay with that, except when the Celtics come to town, I'm a Celtics fan. They won the championship in 2008, I had waited 20 years for that, 20 years, and I was in my living room, jumping and shouting in my living room. Now honestly, let me ask, let's ask ourselves this question. When's the last time we got that excited about God? You know? When's, when's the last time we got so full of praise for God that we just couldn't contain? We had to jump up, shout, whatever else we want to do that the Bible says because we just couldn't help it because God is so amazing in our life. It's convicting for me. It's a challenge for all of us. One pastor said, passive worship is an oxymoron. Passive worship is an oxymoron. So let's be expressive in our worship. Don't be afraid. Don't be ashamed of God. Psalm 47.1 says, Oh, clap your hands, all you people. Shout to God with the voice of triumph. Got three more points here. Um, when we come to corporate worship, and, in, and as we exhibit our corporate worship in our life, we need to understand that it needs to be exclusive to God. That's our next point, exclusive. Exclusive. Remember that God is a jealous God. Joshua 24 kind of points that out to us. He is a jealous God, and God wants our worship to be completely exclusive to him. God does not need your worship. Do you hear me? God doesn't need your worship. God wants your worship. And that is beautiful. The creator of the universe wants our worship, and our praise. And for that, we should say this. Well, then my praise is only for you, God. It's exclusive to you. Our worship is to be exclusive to God. Let's go to number 11. Exalting. As our praise is exclusive to God, when we come into this church on Sunday morning, May God be exalted above everybody and everything in this place, in our hearts. We want to come and experience God and exalt him above everything else. It should never be about us. 
Because honestly, it's not. If we tell ourselves that, that's just a lie. Because it's never been about us. We've never been the center of everything. God has always been the center of everything. And we're fooling ourselves if we, if we, we say anything else, if we boast about ourselves at all. Psalm 21.13 says, Be exalted, O Lord, in your strength. We will sing and praise your power. May God be exalted above everything else as we come in in corporate worship. And my last point is this, expanding. Expanding. Psalm 96.2 says, Sing to the Lord. Bless his name. Proclaim the good news of his salvation from day to day. Just by simply being a worshiper in corporate worship, you're being a part of the mission of expanding the kingdom. Don't miss out on that. Don't miss out on that. Corporate worship can be a tool to expand the kingdom. One of my favorite authors, Jack Haver, says, Worship is not for entertainment. Worship is not for entertainment. It's for transformation. And when people experience God, there's nothing like corporate worship. To come and experience His presence, things change in our lives. We are exposed to God, allowing Him to speak to us. Things change in our life. Corporate worship is a huge missional tool in the life of a church. You know what? You can go to any places in this area and be, there's all kinds of places to be entertained. But the church service, the corporate worship that we come to every week, that's a unique opportunity to experience God together with brothers and sisters in Christ, to worship Him. Matthew 18.20 says this, and I want to close with this passage. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there in the midst of them. In case you didn't know, God is here today. God is with us. So the question is, have you seen Him today? Are you aware of Him today? Because corporate worship isn't about us. It's about God. He's the center. So let's make sure that we're not missing the center, the whole point. Make sure that we're not missing him as we gather together each week in his name. Remember what I said at the beginning. If God is to work in and through his people in this church, especially the Orchard Church here, then they must respond positively to his word. Worship is responding to the revelation of God, God revealing himself. It's a response. Worship is a response. So may we come in every week here at the Orchard Church and truly respond to God and may our hearts overflow and worship to Him. Let's pray together.